Welcome to the Others of Life podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I've got another bonus interview, another bonus God Met Me Here story. And today I have Mr. Nick Ingram with us. But before we get to his story, I want to encourage you guys, if you want to hear more about these stories, if you want to keep be kept up to date as to what's going on, you need to go uh, find the uh, launch page for the for God Met Me Here it's it's the book that's coming out on November 18th, and I'm telling you guys, this is going to be an awesome, awesome book. This book is going to be incredible, and I believe it's going to do a lot of good for the kingdom. So if you want to keep up to date, you need to go to www.unresolved.life forward slash launch. With that, on with the story. Nick, welcome to Unresolved Life. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Well, we I am really, really glad to have you. So... Before we actually dive into your story, um, can you kind of introduce yourself to the audience and give a little background as to who you are? So my name is Nick Ingram. I live in Columbia, Mississippi. I own a graphic design business that I started about 17 years ago in Louisiana and have moved several times and wound up in Columbia, Mississippi. I had my business as a result of the flexibility aspect that it gave me because uh, at the early age of 17, I feel like God called me into the ministry. And so because of that, I wound up God allowing me to use this business to support myself through college and uh, through the ministry. And so because of that, I was able to just travel around. Man, we, uh, I can already tell right now, you and I have a, li- a like-minded spirit. Um my husband and I, I mean, those, we do this podcast, but then we also do a lot of ministry uh, or a lot of business-oriented ventures uh, as, as well. So um, it's so funny how God works, how he will just say, hey, I want you to do this f- to fund yourself. But meanwhile, I want you to minister over here. Right, right. So it's been a tough balance figuring out. I was just having this conversation with Maggie a uh, couple days ago, it's just been so tough to find that balance, especially like as our business has gotten much bigger and and continues to grow. So it's hard to find that spot to how do I scale my business and it not consume my life and then still have opportunities to minister, you know? Now, let's actually dive into the reason why you're here, which is what is your God met me here story? So basically when I was, you know, born, my mom was married to my my dad and after at about 1 years old, my mom found out that my dad had been cheating on her and dad's a dairy farmer, very well respected man in the community at least in my opinion, never had a ill feeling towards him as a person. So she she tried to make it work cuz for her she felt like she it was little house on the prairie. And so she just loved getting up early in the morning and milking and having breakfast for my dad. And so for him to do this to her was earth shattering. And at the same time, she's pregnant with my, my younger sister. And so she tries to make it work for the next five years and it just never does work. So she just, she just can't make it work. And at, while we're living with him, my dad was the best dad. You know, she, we were talking about this a few months ago and she was telling me how he was just the best loving father you know, a child could want. But the moment that we moved out, and, and they got a divorce, she actually had to go to court to fight for him to have custody, joint custody of, of us to try to give us that father in our life. And he just refused, absolutely refused to have joint custody. And 
you know, he had visitation on weekends, which he didn't want either. Um, he didn't want to be forced into that. It's not that he didn't love us. It's not that he didn't care about us. He just didn't want to be forced into that. Growing up, we barely seen our dad. I remember the times that we, we did go see my dad on Christmas. He would kind of be forced to, to spend time with us. And we went to the mall and he let me choose a $50 item. And it was this, looking back, it was a very ugly green Tommy Hilfiger sweater. But that was the only thing I got to purchase for Christmas. And at the time he had a new wife and a son. And this son probably got $500 worth of Christmas gifts. And I got a, a green sweater for Christmas. And so I could tell you more stories about Christmas about the, the same way just growing up. And I never let that affect me like as a person, at least I didn't think I did. So growing up, I was like, you know, what? I don't have a dad. Who cares? It's not a big deal. There uh, are uh, lots of other men in my life that take care of me. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was missing. So growing up, I'm 17 years old. And I, real, I look back over my life and I'm like, man, I have a messed up family. <laughs> my dad's been divorced four times. My mom's been married three times, um, who's a wonderful woman. Um, she just happened to marry the wrong, the wrong guys except for her, her last husband, who's my stepfather, who has really taught me how to be a man. If it wasn't for him, I would not have the work ethic that I have today. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for him. At the time, he was not a Christian father as far as he believed in God, but he wasn't like trying to lead me up into Christianity. And so I had to find God on my own. And it was so fast forward, which is where the, the origin story kind of meets for me is it was June the 10th of this year, 2019. Now, I've, I've been in ministry. I've, I've traveled across the country putting on block parties. We had one block party in my hometown where 3,500 people showed up. We baptized them in horse troughs. They received the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were, uh, I had a friend of mine come in, and he was preaching, and uh, they were throwing cigarette uh, cases on the platform or the stage that we had, had rented out. We fed 3,500 people. Uh, red beans and rice that day. It was just, it was crazy. It was this crazy event that some 19 year old kids put together. <laughs> and, uh, and so we went, we're going around doing those types of things. So we did that all through. And then I had some just bad experiences through my life with, with men in my life. And as I am growing up and I'm in my business, I didn't realize this, but I began to just hold more and more and more and more control over my own life saying, me, I love God. I haven't done anything wrong, like inherently, like, you know, drugs or alcohol or killed people or anything like that. But uh, at the same token, I said, God, I trust you, but I trust you just to give me the strength to take care of myself. That's, that's a huge distinction right there. <laughs> and so I love God. I prayed every day, God, you're my provider. God, you're my strong tower. God, you're my shelter. God, you're my way maker. But not once throughout this entire journey of me finding out and discovering who God is and who I am in God, can I remember saying, God, you're my father. And so it was June 10th, uh, my counselor, mentor, he comes into my, my office, my studio, and uh, he's counseled me several times just through our marriage. And uh, we go take walks around the, the park. He walks in one day and I know when he shows up, God has spoken to him and he's going to give me just blow my mind. Well, this day he walks in, I stand up. I was telling him like, man, I'm just struggling. I can't figure out this and that. I just, I need to figure this out. I need to figure this out in my business. And he says, you know what your problem is? You don't trust God. Um, 
and and you're you're a control freak. That's what he said. He said you you're a control freak. I'm like what? He said yeah, Nick. And this is a very good friend of mine, so he has the right to say that to me. And I'm like, no, I'm not a control freak. And he says, yeah, you don't trust God as your dad because of the abandonment from your father. And I'm like, whoa. And I don't know what happened that day. It's like light speed memories just went across my brain and every memory that I've ever had about God and my dad and just shot in a moment. And it just hit me. And so he left and I walked back around to my desk in my office. I turned on my uh, phone. And I started just recording just all these thoughts that I was having at that time. And God just kept moving on me. So for 12 hours, I just recorded video after video after video of me just sharing my life story about how God brought me through all of these crazy, wild situations and has proven to me subconsciously that he continues to show up as my dad. And I never recognized him as that. Did you know that you were covering up a wound or was it just? Absolutely not. Yeah, I just I just felt like I didn't know what I was missing. Like there were times in my there were moments growing up where I would look at some of my friends who had their dads, had really great relationships, and they would go fishing and hunting and all this dad stuff, dad and son stuff that they did. And it wasn't until I had my daughter that it really made me understand what I missed. I didn't understand how hurt I was at that moment, but it was kind of like at that moment I started to get angry. And I didn't know why I was angry. So I had all these anger issues and my wife would tell me and, and she would tell me that it was because of my dad. I'm like, no, I don't care. Like, I don't care that my dad wasn't around. It doesn't matter. Like, what does that matter to me? You know, so he wasn't around. He didn't hurt me. He didn't chase me around with a knife. You know, he didn't tell me that he hated me. He just never was around. And so I didn't know what I missed. And so this anger started to well up in me that, calls me to, as, as more people in my life, like I've had pastors point their finger in my face and just tell me all kind of nasty stuff. And I've had other pastors who we were mutual friends who have said things to hurt me and do crazy stuff. And all these men that I trusted began to hurt me over and over and over. And it just made me more and more and more angry, but I wasn't angry at them. I didn't know what I was angry about. Were you angry because of these men hurting you the way they did kind of reinforcing that wound did you take the anger out on god at that point i don't think i took it out on god i I probably took it out on my wife as far as like i would leak out so there's this book called the emotion emotionally healthy spirituality which we we went through it has a course it's peter something i'm not sure of his last name but he has a course attached to the book and it's probably one of it's probably the greatest thing i've ever been through for my for my self and for our marriage. And that was about five years ago. And so it started me on a journey that's taken me five years to get where I am right now. But even through that, I still got hurt. But what that did is I can remember after going through that course that for the first time, I felt genuine sorrow. Like I could, I've never felt sorrow. I realized that I'd never felt sorrow before because at growing up as Christians, um, I'm going to make a very some very blanket statements, and I don't mean that for all Christians, but I do mean this for most Christians. I feel like most Christians, we teach our children, you can't be sad. 
because if you're sad or you can't be fearful because if you're fearful, then you don't have faith and it takes faith to please God. So you can't, you can't experience these negative emotions or when you're experiencing these negative emotions, you have to turn, figure out how to turn that off so that you can be happy. And so at least for me, that's the perception that I received growing up as a, as a Christian being taught. And so I'm like, pushing all this stuff down, burying it, all these emotions, because I'm not supposed to feel sad or mad. I'm supposed to just be happy and keep going and keep moving. There is so much truth in that. And I could probably go on many subjects in that realm because I've seen something similar. Um, you know, we don't want to deal with these unresolved issues. We don't want to touch these different places because uh, we want to shove them under a rug because that's more godly. Which, by the way, that's a complete and total lie from the hell. But Christians absolutely believe that stuff. When you were confronted with the, this area and the father abandonment issues and all that kind of stuff, when you're standing in that office, did God actually speak to you? Walk us through that portion and how did you go from, I'm angry I'm I'm furious at the at this abandonment now that I'm confronting it to God, you are now my father. Yeah, so it was it was so enlightening because I felt like this is what he where he was trying to get me to all along was to trust him as uh my dad, you know, to to as a replacement. And because I did not it was kind of mixed emotions where the one part where I didn't understand how to trust God as my dad kind of made me angry. But the fact that he wants me to trust him as uh, my dad made me extremely peaceful and, and happy. So at that moment, it was like such a mixture of emotions all at once that that's, you know, I used to preach a lot when I was younger in my twenties and I was a youth pastor and traveled around the country preaching and, and, um, sharing the gospel and teaching Bible studies and those sorts of things. And so, and up until probably maybe about six, eight years ago, so I'm 36 now. So maybe six or eight years ago and in my late twenties, it just, I just stopped because I had been so hurt so many times that it's probably going to sound like I didn't want anything to do with Christianity, but it wasn't that I wanted to find what is true. What does that really mean? You know, people use this word Christianity so loosely. What does that really mean? And the first time that I was shown this was when we had a tornado come into our town. Tornado wrecked Columbia back in 2014. So right at five years ago. And in December, it was December 23rd. So it was the eve of Christmas Eve. It hit the hit Columbia. And because of my marketing and graphic experience, I created a Facebook page and a website for the tornado. And so because of that, I got involved in the volunteer side where I was the only guy at that time that had, people were, that had something on social media about the tornado. So people, so overnight, 5,000 people liked that page. And I just, so I just started communicating about where the volunteers were. So then we organized a group and, and I became the volunteer coordinator. And at that moment, when I saw these volunteers come in and literally their reason for coming in was we want to love on these people that that this has happened to this devastation has happened to their life we literally want nothing else we are willing to pay our way our gas materials whatever it takes we're going to bring the gospel with us though 
when we come and we want to love on these people who are in the most desperate, hopeless moments in their life. And at that moment, I saw what it looked like to take the church outside the four walls. And that began a series of frustration for me because when I tried to approach the church about doing stuff like that, I got lots of opposition. Um, They weren't against it. They just weren't interested. So my, my wife and I are just thinking like, this is what Christianity really looks like. And so for us, we want to teach Christianity is put on a happy face, show up for, for church on Sunday and, you know, have a good day at work Monday through Friday where God began to shift in me. This is what true Christianity looks like. And so because of my business and because of how large our business is and how much I'm needed in operations, I've tried at different times to walk away from my business and, and pursue ministry like that and just never quite worked out because I didn't have the people in place. And so I just began frustrated because I'm like, God, I know what you want me to do now, but I can't see a path to do it, doing it. So at that moment, when, it, when, when Tim came into my office and shared with me, literally felt like God spoke through him to me, there's just such a range of emotions that happened inside of me that everything that I haven't said in the last eight years all came out in the next 12 hours on video. Man, that there was a lot there. And I bet you that there are a lot of people who are hearing that and going, I'm in a similar place. Yeah, I look like I got it all together. I got this successful company or a successful job. Uh, I got all the trappings of a family. But inside, I'm a wreck. You know, I'm doing the Christian stuff, but inside I'm a wreck. And inside I have a lot of questions. Uh, what would you say to them? So I have this thing, when they see it, they probably think, Nick, you have a negative view on some things sometimes. And I use this phraseology as life sucks. But God, if life were supposed to be a bed of roses, there would no not be a reason for heaven. Like we would have nothing to look forward to. That doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it while we're here, that we should be sad and upset all the time. But the transition from what God has taught me is, And forgive me because I don't remember the exact scripture references right now, but um, hope worketh patience, patience, experience, experience, sorry, not hope, tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, right? So this transition, I believe it's in Romans 5, without tribulation, there is no hope, okay? Because tribulation worketh patience, working through patience, experience, experience, hope. Well, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So it's like, wow. So that word is, it means equal. So faith equals the holding on of hope. And so for a long time, that's been basically my, the last message that God ever gave me was walking through what I call the cycle of faith. So this con- there's this continual cycle of there's no faith without tribulation. So there's no faith without fear. There's no faith without walking through this life full of fear and understanding how to come to a place of hope, which is holding that hope, which is faith. So I'm like, okay, God. So that's been like six years. God kind of gave me that message and that's my life. That's been my life for the last six years. And so after this thing happened back in June, it's like he elevated uh, my faith. And so, and this is super powerful right here, I believe anyway. It's just wrecked my life. I want to say a second, Peter, it says, "Add now add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, a couple of other things. And it goes all the way to love. And so it's like, wow. So the cycle of faith is this whole tribulation piece where 
we have to walk through this life and tribulation just is life and life sucks. And so that's why I'll say life sucks because it's just tribulation. That's all it is. But there's a purpose for us to continually graduate to higher levels of faith, if you will. For every man is given a measure of faith, but he wants us to graduate to higher levels of faith and trust in him. So as we graduate to those levels, we should add virtue, knowledge, patience, all these things which ultimately brings to love. Well, here's where the rubber meets the road. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? So Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross because of love. But forgiveness was the path that he took to the cross. And at the, in, in my mind, the most powerful scripture in the entire Bible is the moment that, he's ha- that Jesus is hanging on the cross. I believe all scripture behind this and all scripture uh, after this points to this very one single moment. Where he, sits, where he is literally nailed to the cross for our sins, and he says these words three hours before he dies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So when I came to this knowledge of, whoa, God, these men that have hurt me in my life, including my dad, they didn't even know. They didn't even know that they hurt me. So how can I be upset at them? How can I be angry about the situation where when ultimately all this stuff works for my good so that I can be transformed into his image, which is understanding total forgiveness? I get the feeling that that this this is just the tip of the iceberg uh, in light of the story written in God Met Me Here. Wow. (laughs) And, you know, guys, it's so funny. How many times have we talked about this? and wrestled with the these subjects of God. Why did this happen? How many times? How many times have we sat down? Even on this podcast, I've come to to the mic and I've said, "Hey, God, you know why I don't get this?" One of the big, one of my favorite scriptures, and it's actually the one that this ministry is founded on, is Isaiah one eighteen. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. I guess where I would kind of leave off on uh, to wrap up this interview is God wants to meet every single person where they're at. Look what he did with Nick. Um, was it a, a cut, clean, easy process? No, but God wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to meet you in those wounded places and he wants to bring healing. That's the entire purpose of this book to show how God entered into the stories of people. So with that, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I have thoroughly enjoyed myself today. And uh, it's been such a pleasure and an honor to, to meet you guys and be here and, uh, and be on. So it's, the privilege is certainly mine. Well, we are honored to have you. And uh, I, I'll, I'll wrap this up by saying if you want to get information about the God Met Me Here series, you can do so by going to www dot unresolved.life forward slash launch and again if you will go there and uh just subscribe uh we will keep you updated as to when we release new episodes when we do kind of do stuff like that and we're and i'm looking forward to seeing what god does with this uh with that i'm Teresa blaze this has been the unresolved life podcast we will speak again next time